Would you turn with me to Isaiah, the uh, first chapter, and let's look at our text that we've been looking at all this week. Isaiah 1. We have uh, been talking all this week on qualifying for God's best. This is the week of increase. So we're talking about these things, qualifying for God's best. Isaiah 1, we'll begin in verse 18. Isaiah the first, I tell you, let's pray before we read this. Let's release faith. How many believe the Lord can give us something real good tonight? Help us out. Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you all the glory and all the praise and all the credit for every good thing that's happening with us and has happened. You're so good to us, and we thank you. We ask for everybody that you would open our eyes to see and our ears to hear and our heart to receive exactly what you would say to us and do in us and with us and for us. Give us utterance, full and complete and exact And give us any and every manifestation of your spirit and the anointing as you would. And we'll give you the glory. And by your grace, we'll not be hearers only. We'll be doers. We'll put it into practice. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Isaiah 1. In Isaiah, the first chapter and the 18th verse. Isaiah 1, 18. He said, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. As we've said before, this is Old Testament, but is this for us today? Sometimes people uh, make incorrect remarks about the Old Testament. They say, well, that's Old Testament, so that's not for us. They don't apply to us at all. No, unless... It has been modified by the New Testament. It stands as it is written. Right? I mean, it's still right to observe the command, thou shalt not lie. And that's definitely Old Testament, right? Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. Certainly right to observe that, and that's Old Testament. But for instance, a good example of modification would be all of the animal sacrifices that they were told how to offer and what to do in Leviticus and different places. Well, that's been modified. The book of Hebrews tells us that the blood of bulls and goats couldn't take away sin. But the blood of the Lamb, the spotless one, amen, the Son of God, has done what animal blood could not do. And that's why we don't offer animal sacrifice anymore. If that hadn't modified, we ought to be killing goats tonight. Is that right? But it's been modified. Well, this belongs to us, doesn't it? Though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. Well, does the next verse belong to us? Very next verse. Verse 19. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Anybody like that? We've been preaching on it for days now. Do you like it? If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of heaven. Now, we'll enjoy the good of heaven when we get there. This is talking about right now. Eating the good of the land. And he goes on to say, but if you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured with the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Is it God's will for us to be willing and obedient? Certainly it is. 
Well then, is it just as much his will for us to have the rest of the verse, the results of being willing and obedient, which is what? Eating the good of the land. Now, uh, you, like we said, you look up that word good, it's literally the Hebrew word fat. And, of course, they were an agrarian society, and, and their wealth was in their, the, I mean, if you were really wealthy, you had fat cows and fat camels and healthy fat donkeys, right? And healthy fat sheep. You had a field full of fluffies. You've been here, you know what fluffy is. Fine, the best. So really, we'd probably use the word today, best. If you be willing and obedient, you will eat, you will enjoy, you will have the best of what? The land of what the earth produces. Now, the church has been taught something differently for centuries. You know, that if you're, if you're really close to God and you're humble, you're going to be poor and broke. But that's not in the Bible. I said, that's not in the Bible. We, we've looked at case after case after case of people who sold out to follow God and he made them rich. Amen, amen. In the Bible. Has God changed? No. But you must qualify. Everybody say qualify. You got to qualify to eat the good of the land. We, we told you the story of that brother Kenneth Hagin told. And he told about how when he left his church to go out on the road and field ministry, that he got in a, in a bad way financially, and every month he's going in a hole. And uh, he, he didn't want to leave his church to start with and go on the road ministry. He just did it because he was convinced that the Lord dealt with him to do it. And now he's going down financially. And, and he, it got so bad that he had to sell his car for junk and just use the, the money to pay some interest on some loans. He knows if something doesn't change, he's not going to make it. And so he spent some extra time seeking the Lord, waiting on him. And he kept quoting to the Lord this verse. Well, the Bible says take the word to it, you know. Present your case, and you're going to do that with the word. He, he said, Lord, you said if I'm willing and obedient, I'll eat the good of the land. And I obeyed you. I left my church. I'm out here on the road. But I'm not eating the good of the land. My clothes are inadequate. My children's clothes and housing and food is inadequate. I'm not, I'm not eating the good of the land. And eventually, the, he said, the Lord spoke to his heart, not an audible voice, but inside him he knew. The Lord said, well, you don't qualify. Well, he, he said, Lord, I, I, I left my last church. I did what you told me to do. He said, yeah, you did it, but not willingly. And he said he knew inside him that he, he, he made a change and he got willing. He said, now I'm willing. And sure enough, he began to come up and come up and was really, really blessed before it was over with. But what if you and I are, are not enjoying the good of the land? What's the first place to look? We haven't been qualifying. Either through a failure to be willing or a failure to obey. So we camped for three nights on the willing part. If you weren't here, you should have been. <laughs> we all got willing. How many willing folk do I have in here now? We, we're willing. You know, you got to be willing to do anything. You got to. Well, let me say it like this. People receive Jesus as their Savior. And they call him Lord, but he's not. He's their Savior, but He's not their Lord. What does Lord mean? Lord and Master means He runs your life. Not your wife. Not your mama. Not yourself. Who's supposed to be running your life? 
But how many understand that with many, many, even Christian people, many, many Christian people, they run their life. They make their plans. They do. And they're not willing to do a lot of things. And that's what, that's what will disqualify you from enjoying God's best. You've got to be willing to do whatever he desires you to do. Understand, he's smarter than you are. And he loves you. He's not out to hurt you. If he deals with you to do something, that's going to be the best thing you ever did. Even if it doesn't look like it and feel like it initially. I wondered when the Lord dealt with us about coming to Branson. I really did. I thought, Lord, we're, we're doing just fine right here. Branson, uh, you, you sure you need me in Branson? And, and, but I'm so glad I didn't try to reason it out and figure it out. And, you know, I even spent a night or two with a calculator trying to figure out how's this thing going to work. And it wasn't coming out too good. But I'm so glad I didn't let that keep me from taking the step. I wouldn't have got to know you. I'm serious about that. I like you. I like you real good. And I like Branson real good. Amen. But see, God's got a place for you. That was weak. God's got a place that's your place. Amen. Not just geographically, but then in associations. With churches and ministries and our businesses and people, there's a right place for you and no other place is going to work like that place. And if you're not sure about that, you best seek God. And if you have to, miss some meals and whatever it takes till you find out where that is and what that is. Because only there is the full measure of blessing going to be on your life. Let's look at some other scriptures that tie into this before we talk some more. I'm, I'm wanting to get to the blessing some more. Are you? But we're not quite ready to get to that. Turn to two openings, please. Job 36 and Deuteronomy 11. Job 36, Deuteronomy 11. In Job 36... Let me ask you this question again, and then we'll read this verse. Is it God's will for us to be willing and obedient? What does the rest of the verse say? You'll drive wore out cars. You'll wear threadbare clothes. You'll eat leftovers for six months. (laughs) That would be a long time, wouldn't it? You'll live in shacks. Huh? Huh? Because like Jesus said, in my, you know, uh, I'm going to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many efficiencies. No. <laughs> no, no. But God's will is not the same for earth as it is for heaven, right? You want me to ask that again, right? I said God's will is not the same for earth as it is in heaven. No, it is the same. What did he teach us to pray? Thy will be done. Where? On earth. How? Of course, a lot of broke people in heaven. Poor people all over heaven. What's God's will for the earth then? Same thing as it is in heaven. But people say, well, now, if it was, it'd be that way. Then we're saying that everything that's happening in the earth is the will of God. People dying, lost, going to hell is the will of God. Children starving without food is the will of God. People being killed and maimed and all the destruction. See, people, 
have been mixed up. Well, God's in control. Listen, God has given man a free will. And man, since the Garden of Eden, has chosen wrongly. And because of man's choosing wrongly, all this curse and all this destruction has come in the earth. And to say that the destruction is the will of God is to say that the sin that let it in is the will of God. And it's not. I said it's not. Before sin came, everything was perfect. Wasn't it? Adam and Eve were perfect. Never had a headache. Didn't know what a bad day was. Right? There never were even any thunderstorms or earthquakes. None of that stuff. How many have read the back of the book after everything's been restored? How's it going to be? No more pain. No more crying. No more sorrow. No more hospitals. No more cemeteries. Nobody not enough to eat. What do we see? Before sin came, we saw the will of God. After it's all removed, we see the will of God. But what about us? The Bible talks about we can have days of heaven right here on the earth. We're not going to have all of it, but we can have a taste of it. Are Are you there in the scripture, Job 36? Job 36 and verse 11. Job 36, 11. Are you there? If, there's that if again, if they obey and serve him, what will happen? They shall spend their days, am I reading the Bible? (laughs) And their years in place. Now if that wasn't in the book, most folk wouldn't even believe that. But I just believe it. Don't you? If you just, if you asked a lot of folks, is it God's will that we spend our days in prosperity and our years in pleasure? They'd say, watch it. No, no, no. Well, just stop in the half verse and ask them, is it God's will for you to obey him and serve him? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, if that's the will of God, the rest of the verse has got to be the will of God, too. You can't, you can't cut the verse in half and say, this is the will of God and the rest. No, no. How many take the whole verse? And realize it is God's will for me to obey Him and serve Him. Every day in all my life, it is also, you got to say this out loud because some folk are choking on it. You got to say it out loud. Say it out loud. It's God's will for me to obey Him and serve Him. And if I do, I will spend my days in prosperity and my years. In pleasures. You like that? Well, that's two witnesses, isn't it? The Bible said in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. We read it in Isaiah. We've read it in Job. Go to Deuteronomy. The uh, 11th chapter. I thought we'd get this a little better established before we go to the blessing tonight. Deuteronomy 11. And verse 26. He said, Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. Have you heard this kind of language before? 
I've set before you a blessing and a curse. How many know that he also said another place, he said, I've set before you life and death. Remember that? I think that's like in the back of the book here in about chapter 30 or so. I've set before you, and then he gives us a clue. Choose life. (laughs) Right? That both you and your seed may live. Now, why would he say that? Because many don't. Many choose disobedience. They choose rebellion. They choose unwillingness. They choose their own way, and there's death in that way. And the scripture said there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of it's death and destruction. He said, I've set in front of you. Uh, Behold, I set before you. I set in front of you this day a blessing and a curse. Has God given to man the choice? So if man is living in the curse, is that because God ordained him to be in that curse? No, because he gave us a choice. Right? Blessing or curse. Verse 27, how do you get the blessing? How do you get the blessing? A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day. And a curse if you will not obey the commandments. So here's a third witness, isn't it? Third witness of the connection between obedience and being blessed. Obedience and being prosperous. You did mark that scripture in Job, didn't you? Some folk didn't. Let me give it to you again. Some folk really need to mark that verse. Job 36, 11 and 12. Because, you know, people have tradition in their minds. They've heard stuff for so many years until they, they don't even believe this. They'll read it and they go, hmm, that's interesting. But they don't believe it. How do you know if you believe it or not? You get excited about it. If you really believe it, it'll go off inside your spirit and you begin to get, you thought, all my days in prosperity? I could handle that. I could receive that. You know, somebody said, what about the broke years? Those are behind us. <laughs> well, you got to go through the valley and so you can appreciate the mountaintop. Where's that at? Where's that at in the Bible? That's some man's idea. Did you hear me? Well, you don't really know how to appreciate a blessing till you've really been broke. I've been really broke. Anybody else besides me? I have been really, really broke. And there ain't nothing I learned broke that I could have learned more comfortably rich. No, I'm sorry. I do not agree with you. No, there is no merit to being broke. How many understand you can appreciate the blessings of God no matter how blessed you get. And no matter how long it has been that way, you can stir yourself up after 50 years of amazing prosperity. You can get up in the morning and bow your knees and put your face on the floor and say, God, thank you. Thank you that I have been rich for 50 years. Thank you. You don't have to get puffed up. You don't have to get messed up in your mind, do you? You don't have to. Bible says prosperity will destroy a fool, which I ain't. How about you? How many fools we got in here tonight? Not one hand. Thank God. Thank God. Let's go on to Deuteronomy 28. Let's get one more witness out of this. You want to? That it's firmly established that you being blessed 
including financially and materially, is God's perfect will and best for you, but it is inseparable from you obeying him and and walking the walk and, and the path that he's chosen for you. Deuteronomy 28, are you there? 28, verse 1. Anybody remember Deuteronomy 28? We've been reading in Galatians 3, so let's read Deuteronomy 28 a little bit. Notice how it starts out. And it'll come to pass. What? If you make a lot of confessions. If you'll give enough in the offering. No. These things are are parts of it, but you can make confessions all day long. You can put big checks in the offering, but if you won't obey God in your life, you're not going to prosper like you should. He said, if you will hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord your God to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day. That sounds like obedience, doesn't it? Willing and obedient that the Lord will set you on high above all nations of the earth and all these blessings. Come on, it's happy time. All these blessings will come on you and overtake you. And right in the middle of it, he says, if. You're all happy and excited. He said, no, I said if. (laughs) If you do what? If you listen to me and you do what I tell you to do. If. Can't leave that out, can we? If. But if you do. I said, if you do. If you get up in the morning, the first thing you want to know is, Lord, what you want me to do today? I'm yours. Everything I am, everything I have, I am yours. You want me to stay at the house and pray all day? I will. Somebody said, I can't. i got to go to work. You get rich enough, you won't have to. (laughs) Just something to think about. (laughs) Or whatever the Lord deals with you to do, you're willing to do it. To go, to stay, to travel, to give, to pray, to work. You're willing to do it. Amen. And you're his every day. He said, you do that, and you qualify, and all these blessings are going to come on you. Let's read some of them. Blessed shall you be in the city. And then as soon as you cross the city limit line, and you're out in the field, you're blessed there too. Blessed. All right, blessed. Verse 4. Every time you see that B word, say it out loud with me. Verse 4, blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the fruit of the ground, fruit of your cattle, increase, increase, increase of your kind, your flocks, of your sheep, and blessed will you be in the basket, in the store, blessed will you be when you come in, and blessed when you go out. Now, how many understand you either coming or going, right? You coming or going. When you walk out the door. Blessed. Get back home and go it. Blessed. Be good to get your great big doormat said blessed. Remind you, every time you move, am I making this up? Is this Bible? Do you believe it? Then you are if, if, if you qualify. What qualifies you? Willing and obedient. Amen. You guys are getting this. Glory to God. Got to watch out. Y'all get too quick for me. Hallelujah. Keep reading. 
The Lord will cause your enemies that rise up against you to be smitten before your face. They'll come out against you one way and run from you seven ways. Now get this, get this, get this. Verse 8. The Lord shall command the blessing. Now when you've had the blessing commanded on you, you're unstoppable. Can't go down for going over. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses. This is something to camp on here. First of all, what is a storehouse? That's not a checking account, savings account, investment, right? Storehouse would be one, but you got storehouses, multiple stores, and on every one of them, the Lord has commanded His blessing. Your stuff makes money when nobody else's does. You sell when nobody else does. Other folk close up and you open three branches. Why? People say, whoo, you must be smart. Whoo, you must be. How do you do that in this kind of economy? And you say, here's the secret. The blessing. The blessing. Amen. Anybody believe that besides me now? Then you can make it. No matter what's going on in the economy. Now, if you don't believe it, then it won't work for you. If you say, well, now, Brother Keith, you know, sometimes it just, well, then you believe something besides this. And that's what you'll have to live by. Oh, but can you say with the psalmist, though it happens to a thousand on this side and 10,000 on my right hand, he said, it won't happen to me. That's not being cocky. That's just believing that God is powerful enough and loves you enough to take care of you. And do that for you. But again, it's only if, if you qualify. So here we got witness after witness. One, two, three, four witnesses that if you will obey God, you will prosper. You'll eat the good of the land. You'll spend your days in prosperity. Everything you put your hand to will prosper. God will command his blessing on you when you obey him. If you don't believe this yet, you must be asleep or something. No, we are awake. Go to Galatians, please. The third chapter. And let's talk some more tonight about the blessing. Galatians. Chapter 3. The blessing. Go ahead, find. Why don't you find two places? Find Genesis 12 while you're finding. So we can just turn right there. Galatians 3, then we're going right straight to uh, Genesis 12. Galatians 3, we looked at the other night. He's talking about the gospel in the first chapter. And then by the time he got to the third chapter, Galatians 3 and verse 7. Galatians 3, 7. He said, know ye. Therefore, that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before 
the gospel. The gospel. Under Abraham. How many are convinced that we know we spent two or three nights on this. Gospel means good news. Jesus said he was especially anointed to preach good news to the poor. Right? Is there good news to the sinner? What's the good news? You don't have to stay a sinner. You can be saved. Good news to the man on his way to hell. You don't have to go to hell. You can go to heaven. Good news. Is there good news to the sick man? There is. You can be healed. Even if doctor says it's too late. God still works miracles. Amen. If you believe you can. Is there good news for the broke man? The poor man? Yes, there is. And for centuries people have talked about, well, now, you know, that's a side issue. Actually, I had a fellow wrote me one time. He said, now, I don't preach all that stuff like you do. I just preach the gospel. But we took enough time, I think, and went over many scriptures for you to see. Prosperity, healing, deliverance, soundness, protection, all of this and much more is integral part of the gospel. You haven't fully preached the good news until you tell these things. Amen. 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 And when Jesus said he sent to preach good news to the poor, what is good news to the poor? Ain't got to be poor no more. Now, if you don't get there overnight, don't despair. I mean, in many things we don't get there overnight, but you set your face after it. And you begin to say it, and you begin to believe it, and you sow your seed, and you put it in your mouth. Like the scripture said, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might be rich. He did, we are, if we'll receive it, if you'll receive the message. If not, you struggle along the best you can. In Galatians, the third chapter, keep reading. He preached the gospel to Abraham saying, In you shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith. Now who's that talking about? Is that you? They which be of faith, what? Are blessed. Not trying to get blessed. Not praying that God would bless us. We what? Are blessed. With faithful Abraham. Skip down to the 13th verse. Christ the anointed one has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us. For it is written cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. And why did he do it? That not, not just a blessing. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. That's us. Did he do it? Yes. Has it come on us? Yes. Are we blessed? Yes. But see, you've got to believe it. Like, like Hebrews said, the good news preached them didn't profit them because it wasn't mixed with faith in them that heard it. We've got to hear it and mix faith with it Amen. and believe it and not just have it legally, but walk out in this blessing, experience this blessing, have it manifest in our life. You know, if you really get this, it makes you happy. Boy, you, you begin to get excited about it. Is it a fact that Jesus became a curse for us? Yes. And the result is the blessing of Abraham has come on us. Amen. Then are you blessed? Yes. You don't have to beg to be blessed. You are blessed. Yes. Amen? Amen? Say it out loud. I am blessed. I am blessed. The, blessing the blessing of Abraham, of Abraham. Is, on me. is on me. Amen. Now go to Genesis, please. 
And let's read the blessing. We read it last night. But you understand, just because you read something one time, that don't mean you got all there is to get. So I doubt there's people here that weren't there last night. Let's look at this. Genesis 12. This is the blessing he's talking about. The blessing of Abraham. Why should we be reading about this in Genesis 12 tonight? Because Galatians in the New Testament tells us that's why Jesus became accursed. That's why he hung on the tree. That's why he died for us. Not just so we'd miss hell only. If that's all it was to it, thank God. That'd be enough. Amen. To live for him and believe him for. But that's not all there is. He not only spared us from hell. He got cursed so we could get the blessing. The blessing. In Genesis 12... Verse 1, I'm reading Amplified. Now in Haran, the Lord said to Abram, Go for yourself away from your country, from your relatives and your father's house to the land that I will show you. So this starts with a command. What does Abram have to be now? Willing. Right? And not just be willing, but do it. Obey. Then what comes next? Verse 2, And... And's a conjunction, right? That means you do what I told you to do here now. You leave mom and dad and your kin folks and you go where I tell you to go. Do what I tell you to do. Be what I tell you to be. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless. This is amplified. I will bless you with abundant increase of favors. And make your name famous and distinguished. And you will be a blessing dispensing good to others. (laughs) That's why you're supposed to be rich. So you can do stuff for everybody. Amen on this side and that. And underwrite this missionary and and help take care of this project. And that's why you can't give what you don't have. Put these people up or to have a house big enough. Entertain two or three families when they come in for a week of increase. Have all the food to feed them. Extra cars to loan them so they can shop in the afternoon. And put some cash in their pocket. So here's $500. Go buy you some britches. Huh? Well, well, then it won't happen for you. You've got to have a desire. Amen. To be a blessing. And before you can be a blessing, you must be blessed yourself. Got to have resources to use resources. Do you like this? God says, you obey me. This is witness number five. (laughs) So it ought to be established by now, hadn't it? I mean, he said, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you with abundant increase of favors and make your name famous and distinguished. And you will be a blessing dispensing good to others. And I will bless those who bless you and curse him who curses you. And in you will all the families and kindred of the earth be blessed. Now that was fulfilled in part in, in, in whole from one sense, but in part when Jesus paid the price. And Jesus is the seed of Abraham. But how many understand that the whole world is continuing to be blessed through the seed of Abraham, through Jesus, through us in the earth with the good news. So it, it applies to us. 
What is the blessing that has come on us now by our faith in Jesus Christ? It is that everything we do is blessed and everything we set our hand to prospers so that we might be a blessing. Now we spent some time last night looking at the results and effect of the blessing. Did you remember some of that tonight? Or should I go over it again? Boy, not many amens or responses on that. We talked about Joseph. Remember Joseph? He was Potiphar's house boy. And he drove a Mercedes. And wore a gold watch. <laughs> he was rich. Bible said he was a prosperous man, even as a slave. And what word did we keep seeing in that passage as to why he was that way? Blessing. Blessed. The Lord was with him. Everything he put his hand to. And we, uh, we talked about how that God told them, even though they were going to have a Sabbath year and not so in that year, they said, well, how are we going to eat? He said, this is how it's going to work. Right. I'm going to command the blessing right. on your crops year number six. Amen. And in one year, you're going to have three years worth of produce. Amen. Could God still do stuff like that? Yeah. Give you three years return yeah. on one year. Investment. And bigger he could. How do you qualify? Willing and obedient. Let's go on today. Go to uh, Genesis again, please. The 26th chapter. Let me give you a couple of more of these. And let's work up to some more shouting tonight. Genesis. 26. Said out loud, the blessing, the blessing is on me. On me. Amen. Amen. Means you're, you are blessed. Yes. Genesis 26. Now the blessing that is on Abraham was promised to all his seed. And you and I have, though not of natural birth and heritage, we have become the seed of Abraham by faith in Jesus, by being born again. But with Abraham's immediate offspring, we see the blessing following right along the seed of Abraham. And uh, in Genesis 26 and the first verse, it says, There was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. Famine. I understand that's a stock market crash. Bad times. Nothing to eat. People losing their home places. Bad time financially. Very bad time. And Isaac, who is the seed of Abraham, who has something on him. The blessing. He went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, to Gerar. And the Lord appeared to him. And said, go not down into Egypt. Now see, Egypt was the strongest nation economically. In the world. And when times got hard. There would be food and stuff. Or jobs and money there. When it wasn't anywhere else. So just naturally. If it got hard enough. You think. Go to Egypt. See if you can get work there. See if you can get money. See when people are buying stuff nowhere else. They might buy it in Egypt. And so obviously he's thinking about that. And getting ready to do that. And the Lord says no. 
Don't go to Egypt. Don't go to the world. Don't go where everybody else is going. Now, how, how do you qualify for God's best? You got to be what you got to obey what he tells you to do. Right. If he says, don't go there, don't hook up with them, don't partner with them, don't invest with them, even though it looks like the deal of the century. If you're going to qualify for God's best, you must obey and don't do it. He said, don't go down there. Dwell in the land I shall tell you of. Sojourn in this land. And I will be with you. Sounds like the blessing. And will bless you. Obviously the blessing. For unto you and unto your seed. Is that talking about you and me right now? Yeah. I'll give all these countries and I'll perform the oath which I swore unto Abraham your father. Now that looked like financial suicide. Stay in a place that is going down the tubes. And it got worse. The Lord dealt with him to invest heavily in this terrible economy. Look. Verse 12. Then Isaac sowed in where? In that land. The land, that land everybody was running out of. And he received in one year, in the same. Now, we, look, we saw threefold. Three times the, the harvest they normally got. But he sowed and in the same year received what? How did he get it? And the Lord blessed him a hundredfold. A hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. For he had possession of flocks and possessions of, not not flock, flocks, and herds, great store servants. And the Philistines envied him. Was that the will of God? Did the man obey God? Then his obedience was certainly the will of God. What about the results of his obedience? Hundredfold harvest in one year. Such increase until his ungodly neighbors envied him. Envied him. Let's keep reading. They envied him so much that all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. And Abimelech, who was the head over all the people, the king, he said to Isaac, we want you to leave. For you are much mightier than we. How far God's people in the New Testament have fallen. Are ungodly people, even people who are pursuing money above everything else, do they envy you? Because of your finances? Because you're so blessed? Y'all are quiet. Go to Jeremiah 33. Jeremiah 33. Jeremiah's in the Old Testament. Isaac obeyed God. Stayed where he told him to stay. Where's your prosperity? Is it not in the perfect will of God? Is it not 
going where he told you to go, staying where he told you to stay, and sowing where he tells you to sow. Investing where he tells you to invest, and that's both spiritually and naturally. We should make investments in both realms. Amen? Investments in the the kingdom of God, which is the best investment you'll ever make. Because it not only gives benefit now, but in eternity. Natural investments can't do that. But then also, you should invest uh, naturally, because you got to give God something to bless. I mean, a thousand times zero is what? you got to invest something for him to multiply. Well, where do I do it? How do I do it? That's why we're teaching on how to be led by the Spirit every Sunday morning. In Jeremiah 33, are you there? He was so blessed that the Philistines envied him, even the Philistine king. He came out and said, look, man, your chariot's nicer than mine. You live in better than I do, and I'm the king. So we would like for you to leave, because you're making us look bad. Now, we have understood that we're to live a holy and a righteous life that shows up the ungodliness of the ungodly. But people haven't taken it the whole way. We're supposed to be healed. We're supposed to be have peace in our hearts and minds. Amen. No depression. No down days. And we're supposed to be blessed materially and financially to the point where people go, man, what are you doing? What are you doing? And you, you say, I, I know somebody. I got the hookup. Who do you know? Some people in really high places. I got some major connections. Way, 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 way up high. Man, can you hook me up? Yeah, I can. (laughs) And you introduce them to your best friend. Jesus, the master, the good shepherd. Amen. It's a shame that people have been told lies in church for centuries. You know, God didn't want them to have anything. God might kill their baby with cancer. He might destroy their house with a tornado. He might kill their uncle with a car wreck. And you just don't question it because you just never know the mysterious ways. And we'll look at, That's not Bible. That's right. It's men's theories trying to explain things they don't understand. Amen. Amen. You can believe what you want to. But friend, don't take my word for it. Please, don't take my word for it. Search out everything you hear in this place. Amen. If you can't find it in this book, don't believe it. Amen. Amen. But build your life on the solid foundation of this word. Like Jesus said, though heaven and earth pass away, this word will not pass away. He said, the man that digs deep builds his life on this rock. I mean, the winds can blow and the water and the flood can rise, but he will stand. He'll stand. Amen. In the storm, in the test, in the trials of life. Why? Because you're, you're built on the Word. Not somebody's opinion. Not somebody's theory. Not somebody's tradition. Yeah. That's right. But on what thus saith the Lord. Amen. I had the Lord when I first went to Bible school. Thank God for Dr. Kenneth E. Hagin. He instilled in me and millions of others a love for the Bible. A love for the Word of God. 
And I wasn't there but a couple of months. And in a time of prayer, I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but distinctly inside me, the Lord began to deal with me. He, he asked me, he said, Keith, examine everything you believe. Examine it in light of this book. If you think, well, I believe this, okay, where is it at? Where is it at in the book? And I thought, okay, I'm going to do that. And so every, you know, every once in a while something would come up and I think, well, I believe that. I believe that all my life. He said, where is it at? Where? Because if you can't find it in here, you best not be standing on it because how do you know it's true? Well, Grandpa always believed that. Well, what did it do for him? How do you know? Maybe, well, he was sincere. Yeah, but you can be sincerely wrong. And there were several things. I don't mean just one or two, but I think, well, yeah, I know that's in the Bible, and I'd start looking for it. I'd look in the Gospels, I'd look in Acts, I'd look in the Epistles, I'd look in the Law and the Prophets, and I couldn't. I said, well, maybe I just can't find it. So I'd keep looking, and I'd keep, sometimes for months off and on, I think, well, now that's got to be in the Bible. I know, I believe that. I know that's in there. Can't find it. Come to find out, I heard some preacher say it years ago, or some relative or some friend. Friend, don't build your life on people's theories and ideas or experiences or lack thereof. Build your life on this. It is written. Examine every message, every tape, every book, every article. I don't care what church said what. You know, say it like the old lady that used to drive through the windows. Where's the beef? You say, where's the scripture? Where's the scripture? Right? I don't care who it is. Where's the scripture? If not, somebody said, well, I got a right to my beliefs just like you do. No, you don't. Nor do I. We as Christians have a right to believe what he told us to believe. Not what we decide out of our opinions and theories. And friend, I'm so glad I did because we begin to come up. We begin to get free. Our life is completely, totally different than it used to be. How many believe it can get a lot better, a lot better yet? Jeremiah 33. The Philistines envied him because of his prosperity. Is that scriptural? Is that to, look, look at this verse, Jeremiah 33, 9. He said, it shall be to me a name of joy and a praise and an honor before all the nations of the earth, which shall hear all the good that I will do to them. And they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and all the prosperity I will procure unto it. Talking about his people and his nations and his his family. Amen. Amen. Is prosperity one, not the only one, but one witness of God's existence and his blessing on our life? Absolutely. In fact, Romans, don't, don't take the time to turn there, jot it down if you're taking notes. But in Romans chapter 10 and 19, he, it was prophesied. He said, I will provoke you, talking about the Israelites, to jealousy by them that are no people. That's talking about us. Romans 11, 11, he said, uh, uh, through their fall, salvation has come to the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. How many understand that's not just spiritual, that's every way. I don't think we've been provoking folk to too much jealousy with some of the way we've been living and operating, but it can change. It can change. Now let's touch another part of the obedience here. How do you qualify for God's best? 
must be willing, must be obedient. Abraham was obedient to leave where God told him to leave, go where God told him to go. So was Isaac. He was obedient to not go where God told him don't go and to stay where God told him to stay and to sow, invest where God told him to invest. I know what with Phyllis and myself. Thing after thing that has happened supernaturally for us financially and materially. You can look back and see sometimes years before where the Lord led you to sow a seed. The Lord dealt with us. We were going to require a new facility. And several years ago, we didn't know it, but he dealt with us. Sow this amount, sow 25,000 here, and sow 25,000 here. Sow this personally, and sow this ministry, and claim X amount. Seven or eight years ago, the Lord dealt with us to sow that and claim a certain amount, exact same amount that we required just this year. Everybody said out loud, go where he tells you to go. Don't go where he says don't go. Stay where he tells you to stay. And sow where he tells you to sow. See, when and where. When he says so, so. You know, people miss it in these areas. So many times. I know a friend of mine, minister out in uh, the West, a long ways from here. He called me. This has been several years ago. I was actually having a couple of days of vacation. And he called me. He said, Brother Keith, he said, I'm not asking you for money now. And I knew he wasn't. He said, but I want somebody to believe with me on this. He said, I should have had X amount of money last week. He said, That's, I, I'm, I'm, I'm up against the wall here, and I just want you to believe with me on this. And I knew he wasn't asking, so I said, I'll, I'll do it. I prayed with him. I said, I joined my faith with you. And when I hung up the phone, you know, we need to realize we don't find out things just by accident. When you know something, you need to look at it and say, am I supposed to do something with this? You're not always supposed to. Or part or whatever. And I said, Lord, do you want me to do something about this? And the Lord dealt with me that he was already dealing with people to do something and they just hadn't obeyed yet. That they were they're dragging their feet, playing with it and kicking around with it. And so I said, well, okay. But it wasn't just a day or two later. I got up that morning and the Lord dealt with me. Get up, call the office, wire him that money right now. I thought... Lord, I thought you said that you're dealing with other people. He said, I was. But they're not obeying me. And I am faithful to my way. He said, I'll deal with whoever I have to to get the job done and you'll get their blessing. Though it originally wasn't, you know, targeted for you. I said, great, I'll take it. And we had to clean out our account, but we got it done. Amen. And I've come to find out that God deals with many, many people who don't obey him. And then he winds up using the same people, some of the same people, over and over on things again. And they just keep getting more blessings and more. And people say, that ain't fair. It just seems like they get more than everybody else. Well, it's because they obey more than everybody else. They'll do what he tells them to do when he tells them to do it. 
and I'll tell you what I, man, we, we did, we had some stuff coming up and it took a step of faith because we really cleaned out some accounts. And I'm, then I'm thinking, okay, now what am I going to do? What's coming up next? But I tell you all day long, I couldn't even get concerned about it because I was so blessed of the confidence that God was putting in me. Amen. It was real to me that in a crunch, when somebody else wasn't doing something, he could tap Keith on the shoulder and say, hey, because he knew I would do it. Man, that blessed me. Does that bless you? Don't you want to be God's man? God's crunch time man or woman, his go-to guy. Right? Certainly you can't do everything, but you want to be somebody that he knows he can count on. People say, well, God would have to speak to me through a burning bush. Not me. Not me. I'm rain trained. Anybody know what rain trained? So we've been talking about that being led by the Spirit. Rain train. Well, I'm about to hear an audible voice. I'd have to see a burning bush. Well, you just are stubborn and hard to talk to. I don't want to be like that. I want to be where if I wake up and barely get my eyes open in the morning and the Lord whispers to me, I hear it loud and clear like over a megaphone. And I won't wrestle. I just obey. That's what I, that's my desire. Is that your desire? You can do that. That's a lot more than giving in church. That's just giving all the time. Everywhere, any direction. That includes giving to your own family. You know your own family is good ground? Men, your wife is good ground? Do you know that? All the ladies should have said, hey. I said, men, your, your wife is good ground. When you sow into her, that's sowing good seed. Ladies... Your husband is good ground Amen. to sow into. That's not going over quite as big. <laughs> Go to Luke, please. Luke, the fifth chapter. What that Phyllis has been sowing into me. Good gracious. I told her for years. We used to come back and have to Pray through over grocery bills and uh, office supply bills. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We'd have to, uh, we went too far, we did this, and Phyllis was cramped on some things, and, and she'd come, and I'd say, hey, we can't, we just can't. I mean, understand it is not faith to pretend you're at a place that you're not. And you can do that through excessive credit and all, trying to act like you're at a place that you're not. And that's got nothing to do with faith. And so again and again, we'd have these discussions and talks and I'd have to say, you know, we're just not there. But stay with me. Hang with me. And, and we wouldn't, she wouldn't have money to do this or do that. And I told her, I said, just, just hang with me. Just stay with me. And it won't be long. One of these days, you're going to have your own account. With just Phyllis money. And if you want to just blow it all on hats. You can. And we ain't there now. I said I said at that time. But I said stay with me. Well decades passed. Everybody say decades. decades. Say it again. Decades. decades. That's more than a month. Deca- say it again. Decades. decades. Passed. And finally. Not too long ago. We, you know, the Lord did some good things for us when we sold out and came up here. We, got, we made some money on properties that we sold personally and got completely out of debt. Personally, don't owe anybody anything. 
Amen. With extra money. And I told her, okay, now's your time. We're going to open up the Phyllis account. And anything you get paid, and we'll put some more money in there, and that's just Phyllis money. You just do, you know, blow it on hats if you want to. And you know what she started doing? Buying me stuff. She says, my money. I said, yeah, it's your money. So she buys me a watch and buys me a this and buys me a motorcycle. And I'm going, glory to God. (laughs) Truly, it is written, he that finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor of the Lord. (laughs) I tell you everything, don't I? Luke, are you there? (laughs) We got nothing to hide. Luke chapter 5. Now let me go over it again. Is it God's will for us to eat and enjoy the good and the best of the land? But what do you have to do to qualify? You got to be willing and you've got to be obedient. Now, that covers a lot of ground, but you understand we talked about for three days you got to be willing to receive and believe the gospel. You got to be willing to accept this good news and believe God wants this for you and that it is His will and many, but you got to be willing, like we've just been reading tonight, and obedient to go where He says go. Right? You don't just run when it gets hot in the kitchen. I'm convinced that we got a lot of Christians right now out of the will of God because of getting uncomfortable and jumping out of their place. God supernaturally directed them and hooked them up at the right place and got them in the right place, but something rubbed them the wrong way, didn't suit them, and they jumped and, and, and ran. Got out. I know, you know, just over the past few years of Phyllis in my life, we had numerous opportunities where maybe something didn't suit us quite right or are we, you know, tired of doing this or wanted to do this. But you've got to realize if you're not your own Lord and Jesus is really the captain of your salvation, then you don't just join a church when you want to and leave it when you want to, start a job when you want to, quit when you want to, move to a city and leave a city. Some say, well, this is America. It's a free country. I do what I want to. Then Jesus is not your Lord. Amen. He may be your Savior. You may be counting on Him for salvation, but He is not your Lord. He's not running your life. You're running your own life. And if that's the case, you don't qualify to eat the good of the land because you are not willing, you're not obedient. You got to stay where God's put you. Amen. Right? Amen. <sighs> Had two more sermons pop up to me just right then. You do. You must stay where He directs you. And it's not always easy and comfortable where He puts you. But now you'll have victory if you'll stick it out. But it's not always fun. And the Lord didn't guarantee you that everybody was going to treat you wonderful. Did he? He didn't tell me, Keith, I'm calling you to the ministry. You go and preach and everybody will love you. And if they don't, you can quit. No. And he didn't tell you, go over here and work. Move over here and live. Hook up with this church, hook up with this ministry, and everybody will love you and think you're wonderful and never say a cross word to you. 
And if they treat you, people say, I don't have to take that. I don't have to put up with that. I'm not putting up with that. And they leave and jump out of the will of God. And they're doing their own thing and disqualify themselves. There is a, a doctrine of suffering in the New Testament. Turn to First Peter. I don't intend to take a lot of time with this, but I think we ought to touch on it at least. First Peter, the fifth chapter. Well, no, second chapter first. There is a doctrine of suffering in the scripture, but it is not suffering from the curse of the law, being sick, being broke, being destroyed. We've been redeemed from that. People have tried to make it that, but it's not. And yet there is a suffering that's according to the will of God. And I'm going to show you what it is. First Peter 2. He talks in this passage about suffering. And in verse 18 of chapter 2, 1 Peter 2, 18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear. Another way of saying that, employees, be subject to your employers. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. What does froward mean? Well, I looked it up for you. It means surly. Overbearing, crooked. We'd just say in Arkansas, just junkyard dog mean, mean, mean. Well, surely God wouldn't deal with you to stay somewhere because somebody's mean to you. Could be. I tell you this much, you don't have permission to just run and leave because somebody's mean. But we're having fun now, aren't we? Amen. <laughs> Verse 19, for this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults you take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. Go to the fourth chapter please. Fourth chapter, verse 15, 415. Let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Now, what means suffering as a Christian? Skip to the fifth chapter. And the 10th verse. I think this is the final one along, along this line. 510. I used to pray this prayer. There are many prayers in the New Testament we can pray for ourselves. Ephesians prayers. Philippian prayer. Colossians prayer. This is one of them. And I, I'd pray this over myself when I pray the other prayers. A lot of times want to leave out the middle part. <laughs> but if I'm a Bible man, I've got to read the whole thing. 1 Peter 510. But the God of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while. Is that talking about suffering, sickness, and disease? 
I mean, just, just two chapters back in verse 20, uh, 224, he qualifies, he's talking about suffering, you know, in verse 19 and 20, we read that, but in verse 24, he clarifies, I want you to know, now I'm not talking about suffering, sickness, and disease, for by his stripes you were healed. But suffering what? If he's not talking about that, not talking about suffering being broke or suffering being sick, what's he talking about? After that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. When does maturity come? After you've suffered a while. Suffered what? It talks about the suffering of the Lord. Not his substitutionary suffering, but in the garden he said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Was that easy? No, it was not easy. But did he do it? What about you? You may think I've digressed now, but if you're going to get God's best, you've got to go where he says go. And you've got to stay where he said stay. Even if people are mean to you, even if they're ugly to you, even if they write you ugly letters, even if they stab you in the back, you don't just jump and run because it got hot in the kitchen. Sometimes the best you can do is go in, fall across the bed and cry and put in a request for a transfer. Lord, I want a transfer out of here. And so many times it'll come back denied. And if he's your Lord, you go nowhere. You get up in the morning and you put on your best clothes. And if you have to, you find your toothpicks. Anybody know what the toothpicks are for? You prop up the corners of your mouth. And you say, I've got the victory. This is the day the Lord has made. And there are times and places. There are times and places in Phyllis, just in 20-something years of ministry. There's things we went through I wouldn't go through again for huge sums of money. You could wave millions of dollars in my face and I'd say, no thanks, no, no. Wouldn't go through it again for huge, I don't know what, what kind of money it would take for me to do it again. But i tell you what, I wouldn't take anything for it. Some of the things that developed out of it, because having stuck it out and stayed put, what happens? After you've suffered a while, what does it say? Make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. After you've been in 300 mile an hour winds, 50 mile an hour winds are like a breeze. You go, somebody says, oh, it's a storm. You go, it's just a breeze. It's just a breeze. You get strong. You're not moved by every little thing that comes along. Why are we saying all this? Stay where God put you. Stay where he put you. Your success, your prosperity depends on it. Your development, your growing up. That's why we got so many baby Christians in the world today. Because they bounce around from here to there and here to there. Every time God begins to do something with them, ah, somebody rubbed them the wrong way, hurt their feelings, and they're gone. Job to job. No no faithfulness. And so no development. And so no maturity. And disqualified to eat the good of the land. Well, you want me to give you something else to shout about before I just quit tonight? Or I'll just leave you right there. We can go, Selah. Think about that. <laughs> go to Luke 5 then. And I think I can close on that. Luke 5, you must qualify for God's best. How do you qualify? Must be willing. Must be obedient. You must be obedient to go where he says go. 
stay where he says stay. And sow where he says sow. But then something else. Reap where he says reap. Are you there in Luke 5? It came to pass as the people pressed on Jesus to hear the word of God. To do what? Hear the word of God. He stood by the lake of Gennesaret. He saw two ships standing by the lake. Fishermen were going out of them and they were washing their nets. Now we know from the rest of the story they've been working all night long. This is their job. This is their profession. This is the end of a 10-hour work day or 12-hour work day. They're tired. They're ready to go home. They're ready to get a nap. Ready to get a meal. Just got the equipment clean. <laughs> right? Just got the equipment Cleaned and oiled and stacked and folded and put up, ready to go to the house, eat a good meal, go to bed. Long day and a, and a bad, hard day. Worked hard, didn't get anything. And as, as uh, he entered into one of the ships, Jesus walked down and got into one of the boats, which was Peter, Simon Peter's, and asked him if he would thrust out a little from the land. Now here, how, how do you qualify for God's best? Got to be willing. How many, a lot of people would have said, Preacher, what you doing in my boat? Hey, we're closed. Did you not see? We're closed. <laughs> Ain't no telling how many blessings people have missed by that one line right there. We're closed. I've showed up at places before. Not, not, don't, don't do it on purpose. Get there in business hours if you can. But there are some situations where I showed up for a big purchase of something. I'm sorry, I got held up at this, and they said, we're closed. I thought, you didn't understand me. I'm talking about buying one of those. They said, well, we're closed, sorry. I said, okay. But uh, that, that's a minor thing. How many times when God was wanting to do something? Yeah. The Bible says we ought to be careful to entertain strangers. Because many have entertained angels, or some, it says some, have entertained angels unawares, didn't know, what, didn't know it was God and the representative of God that they were dealing with. Aren't you glad Peter had some sense and had some respect for the things of God? And he said, uh, oh, you wanting to use my boat for a floating platform? How long did Jesus preach? Longer than me. Some say, can't be. Yeah, read the Bible. And Paul preached longer than me. There were times Paul preached all night long. I mean, all night long. You know it's true. Don't get scared. I'm not, I'm not trying to work up to anything. <laughs> I tell you what, they had some meetings too. And they knew some things when they left. And they might have been tired when they left, but their life was changed forever. It ain't all about beating the the other church to the cafeteria. There's more to it than that. Luke 5. You want to use my boat? Could I? Yes, sir. Now, he's committed himself to hours of not getting to go home, not getting to go to bed, 
And then you got to do some more cleaning up stuff after we're through. And when Jesus had left speaking, he said to Simon, how many know Jesus is not a moocher? You sow to him, there's going to be something coming after it. Is that right? You let him use your stuff, there's something that follows. It's called the blessing. He said, Simon, it's time to reap. Think about what we're saying now. You got to be led where you stay. You got to be led where you go. You got to be led and obey when and where to sow. But you also must obey when and where to reap. He said, all right now. Load your stuff up. Go back out. Launch. Now, how many understand? It's been hours now later. Now we're talking about getting all the equipment out. Going back out. And even though Peter was doing pretty good, he did have a little bit of problem with that, right? He said, well, (laughs) he said, now, preacher, this has been great and good. He said, but look, we've already fished all night long. Now, what are we into the afternoon, I guess, again? And, And we didn't take anything. Thank God he was sensitive, though. He said, but nevertheless, you say it's time to reap. Sounds like Isaac, doesn't it? Famine in the land, ain't nothing going good. But you say it's time to sow seed, it's time to sow. Reaped a hundredfold. You say it's time to reap, here we go. Boys, get in the boat. I don't want to hear no groaning and complaining. Get in in that boat. Get those nets wound up, get that equipment out there. Here we go. Heave ho. Come on, put your back into it, boys. Throw that net like you're a man. <laughs> and they, they threw the net in a specific place, didn't they? Look, what did he say? Launch out into the deep. Let down your nets for a draft to catch. And when they did what he told them to do, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes. Everybody say the blessing. The blessing. blessing. And the net broke. And they beckoned to their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. You know, I got a question. Didn't the Lord know how many fish that net would hold before it broke? Then why did he give them too many fish? Because he's a too much God. Right? I mean, wouldn't he know what, how many believe God would know within the ounce what the capacity load for that fish boat was? Then why did he give them too many fish? That's the same God we read about last night. Gave Abraham too many cows. Gave Isaac too many goats. Gave them to, I mean, they had so many, they couldn't keep them all on the same pasture, couldn't keep them in the same county. Is he not? The God of good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over the too many cow, too many goat, too many sheep. And is he not a net breaking, ship sinking, too many fish, too much God? Is it written in Malachi that he would open up the windows of heaven and pour you out? Pour you out a blessing that you didn't have the room to receive it and contain it. But these are for who? 
people that qualify, people that will keep their doors open for many hours afterwards, that will respond to the needs of the ministry or the church, that will sow when other people won't sow, and that will reap when other people will want to go home and go to bed. When you obey God. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Could God really pour so much on you in a different area to you say, I don't know where I'm going to put this. Where am I going to put all this? Have to open other accounts and other banks. Because they say, you can't send all that over here today. You know that can happen. You might think, well, oh, man, they'll take it. No, they won't. It gets a certain amount. They won't take it. But you can figure out something. Right? This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.